Hello and welcome to Once More with Commentary, an angel podcast. I'm Allie. Mm-hmm. I'm Jenny. And I think we have two like good episodes to talk about today. I am very interested to talk about both of them. But yes, I did like them. Yeah, I mean they're not perfect episodes of television, but was I entertained? Yes. Um, um, yeah. That's a low bar that Angel often doesn't cross. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah, so we have um, Life of the Party and the Cautionary Tale of Numero Cinco. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, Jenny, let's do a check-in. How are you doing? <laughs> Fine. I talked to you 12 hours ago. I know. <laughs> it make, it, we've done that now two weeks in a row where it's like, it makes it extra weird. Like, I really have nothing new to tell you. <laughs> the, uh, the thing that happened to me this week is that we talked to some friends last night, but you were one of those people, so it's not exactly news. Yeah, I don't have have any, you know, I don't have any updates in a way that like no news is good news, but also like it's, I, it's, you know, it's getting boring. I really had a firm plan to go outside. I have not left the apartment in at least five days. Like even the go in the hallway, I've not done that. I think it's possibly been a little bit longer. And for the most part, I do not give a hoot. It doesn't matter at all. But I really was like, maybe once every two to three weeks you should step outside and so we were gonna go outside like literally like walk around the block um yesterday but it was so freaking windy here that I was like that is legit the only type of weather that I don't enjoy at all like I can find no joy in that if it was raining I would have sucked it up if it was snowing I would have sucked it up if it was humid and hot I would have sucked it up but like the wind I was like I'm not gonna go outside just to get all the allergens blown into my nose to then make me worry about do I have allergies or do I have symptoms so I was like we're just not doing it are you so that that's like, my update. at least opening your windows uh yeah sometimes I didn't open them yesterday because it would have been a mess but yeah. yeah in general we do have a lot of windows which I think I've said is definitely one of the things that is making this okay I think if I were sitting in a dark room alone all the time that would have be a little bit different I agree. I am finding like having a wall of windows like Yeah, yeah. We've very, got the same kind of window yeah, setup. Yeah, it's like, you know, and like having a view helps like you're just mm-hmm. it can kind of like mentally I think it does a lot. Although yesterday I did actually get outside for the first time in well, actually it had only been a day since I had been outside because <laughs> but when I went out on Thursday, I hadn't been out in like a week, I think. Mm-hmm. So, which it's like astounding for me to like comprehend. Like I used to go out every day and like, you know, I'm such a, like, I love walking. That's like kind of like my main exercise. It's like very yeah. meditative. Like I feel really good when that's a consistent part of my life and it has just become like a precious commodity. And it's very weird. It's weird that I don't mind because I think yeah. I agree with you where like, it's not that I don't feel stuck in my apartment or, like, stir-crazy sometimes. It's, like, the mental relief of knowing that, like, I haven't done anything to endanger myself is, like, yeah. far outweighing, yeah. like, the relief of going for a walk. Like, that said, I went for, like, a two-hour walk yesterday, and it was glorious. Although, yeah. I know what you mean, because it was a little breezy, and today I woke up with, like, you know, kind of, like, a like a scratchy throat or whatever, and I was mm-hmm. like, hello, pollen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Even with the windows closed all day yesterday, I could just tell. I was like, I know as soon as I step outside, I'm going to have a sneeze attack and it's just going to be miserable. Uh, uh, Everything else aside, if this were a completely normal day, I would be annoyed by all that. So it's like, let's just not add insult to injury yesterday. Yeah. 
I mean, it looks like it's, it's still pretty windy today. It's like a double-edged yeah. sword, right? It's like you go outside and you're like, wow, it's warm and everything's blooming. And then you're like, yeah, everything's blooming. I hate when everything <laughs> blooms. <laughs> Sorry, that has never been good for me. I, I do think there is a maybe... You know, when we were, I was sort of talking about this with some of our friends yesterday, and I do think that that's a little bit of a divide. Not to say that this is, I'm not trying to make like an overarching ruling here, but I, as a child growing up in the suburbs of the Bay Area, like pollen and springtime is very extreme there. I also had terrible allergies that resulted in a lot of, like, actually, my skin was super itchy all the time, in addition to the normal, like, trouble breathing and sneezing and all of that. But, like, I have some very bad memories of springtime. That's <laughs> a little bit traumatic. So, like, yes, this time of year normally is also the time where I'm like, ugh, <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. Once it's all bloomed and, like, it's full springtime, like, that's kind of okay. But that first onset of, like, puff, I just I hate that feeling. I like, And the universe really... has given you a solid excuse to not encounter it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, even indoors, though, I don't feel totally immune to it. I still feel like I can, like the air even inside changes just a smidge. It's true. It does. Maybe I'm just overly Especially sensitive. if you were opening the windows, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So how are you? I'm good. What did I um, miss in the last 12 hours? I slept and okay. I watched Angel. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to make a cake today, so I'm excited about that, mm. as I always am when I'm going to do like a baking project. Although, God knows, I don't need to eat more, like, sweets and carbs and, like, whatever. But, like, I think we're all giving ourselves a pass, right? Like, we all talked about this yesterday, too. Like, you know, well, I, t- I actually talked about this yesterday with two groups of friends. So, clearly, this is a trend. But, like, everybody was a little bit like, I don't really want to think about my consumption of alcohol. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gone up. Let's just say that. It's gone up. I did also in uh you know low effort desserts made banana pudding a few days ago it was so it's such a good idea like it literally takes almost no effort (laughs) and it is the real like the effort to reward ratio on that is like completely worth it did you make it It from scratch like no god no no and I actually think I don't want to say this is the proper way to do it but is I think the traditional way to do it is you just get jello pudding mix yeah mix that with some whipped cream and bananas and vanilla wafers and you've got a stew going like it's beautiful no I'll tell you so I I mean I have obviously dipped my toe into like banana pudding from scratch because I right I have my food blog on the side I have to pretend to be respectable right but Mm -hmm. but I I truly believe in my heart of hearts that correct banana pudding is the one on the back of the vanilla wafer box it is yeah I don't think that's true for too many things but I think for a few you know this is like a proper chocolate chip cookie is not a roll of Nestle you know what I mean no. but like a proper banana pudding I think might be it's just vanilla pudding bananas nilla weight like you you know anyway why mess with regardless the yeah regardless of what is proper or not it was easy to get a hold of it was easy to make and the like I said the like payoff was just ridiculous it's so good well <laughs> it's so funny that you say that I'm actually really jealous that that was easy to get a hold of because like four weeks ago I made Chrissy Teigen's banana bread, which I mm-hmm. just finished the last of this morning. Mm. Um, I put it in the freezer. I was not, it was not like sitting out in the cabinet mm-hmm. like this whole time. But um, what was interesting is her recipe calls for an entire packet of instant vanilla pudding mix. And I have, oh. I have no idea why. Like I don't, I was like looking at the recipe. I was like, I don't know what this does. Like That must make it super sweet. Yeah, and it also, I guess, provides the vanilla flavor, but there's also, like, two cups of sugar in it, so, like, I don't... Yeah, that does seem weird. Yeah, I was like, if I were made to make it again, I would definitely try leaving out the pudding mix, because I 
do not know what it added, but okay. um, but what was interesting was I had a hard time getting my hands on a packet of pudding. Interesting. Like, interesting. Like, but like Whole because Foods the didn't have it, and like I had to go yeah. to like Safeway, which is like you know where I go for all the like you know you know ma- yeah. major brands and stuff like that. Yeah. So well, that's to be fair. We're stuck shop. I mean, stuck. It's a very well stocked store for the most part, but we're stuck going to just the corner store, like the bodega, basically. But your so bodega had instant sort of pudding. pudding. Like, that's just the sort of thing that they normally stock. Although now that I think about that, like, I bet, like, I haven't even been there during this crisis. I'm sure they're still open, but there's, like, a little um, convenience store up the hill for yeah. me, and, like, I bet they have exactly, instant vanilla probably, pudding. I didn't yeah. even think about that. Yep. Because I made, like, a whole trek to the Safeway for, like, banana pudding and then or vanilla pudding and then I bought chocolate chips and like that's the only two things I bought like I Mm. cannot believe how naive I was yeah I was like this is enough yeah yeah (laughs) and like everybody was definitely already you know panic shopping at that point because it took me like an hour to get out of the store for like my two things Mm -hmm. anyway um I'm just like marveling that you were like oh yeah it's easy to get my hands on vanilla pudding and I'm like Mm -hmm. is it (laughs) it was I'm jealous. Well, that would, I have to say though, I think I adjusted, I, I don't think it was coincidence that I decided a good thing to make right now is vanilla pudding. Cause I know that's the sort of thing that they carry. Mm. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just saying even having the idea was influenced by like, this is where we're shopping. So what are the best things to make out of the supplies we can easily get? I mean, that sounds like a great choice. <laughs> so I do think that that was part of my thinking. Yeah. Uh, also, because no. we've been eating a lot of bananas, and I keep meaning to make banana bread, but <laughs> banana bread, but then we just keep making smoothies, eating the bananas, and then in this case using them for pudding. <laughs> I'll get to the banana bed of <laughs> banana bread eventually. I said banana bed twice. I'm sorry. Well, you know, banana bread is like the thing you make when your bananas are kind of going, going bad. bad. So, like, yeah. I think you're okay. Like, you're you're using the bananas, but it's yeah, true. I just, banana I bread also has want like banana bread. <laughs> banana bread has become one of those like pandemic baking projects, right? Like yeah. everyone seems to be making it. My sister just bought bananas because my brother in law was like, "You haven't made banana bread yet." <laughs> I know. I that's what I mean though. It's like I want to make it. It sounds. I love it. I just. I just keep eating the bananas back. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. So I don't know what the point of the vanilla pudding was, but the the interesting thing mm-hmm. about this Chrissy Teigen recipe is that it also called for shredded coconut which oh. I almost didn't put in because I was like huh. I don't really think I want that I don't think I want to make banana bread anymore without shredded coconut in it okay it was so good it like adds moisture even though you don't really need more in banana mm-hmm. bread um but it's just like a very subtle flavor but it complements yeah banana, that does like, sound good. really well and then if you add chocolate oh my god mm, okay I'm just saying this banana bread was really good <laughs> yeah that does sound good I, I think I'm gonna make the flour one I, I mean, that one I think is also really good. I, a lot of people have been making that on uh, mm-hmm. Instagram. Or maybe I only know that because I follow the, the flower <laughs> flower bakery Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to go back, uh, they don't make banana pudding at flour. At least they didn't in my time there. But um, I worked at a place that pretty much made knockoff Magnolia um, mm-hmm. banana pudding. And that was definitely, it was more or less the recipe that I made, which is also why I had that recipe in my head instead of like trying to do something from scratch I was like man the one I used to shovel all the time was just the banana vanilla pudding mix wait really mm-hmm. I don't I I yeah I'm I am pretty sure don't quote me on that if I happen to get this wrong but definitely the place that I worked at made it with jello pudding blowing the lid off those secrets <laughs> I think Magnolia does too though because I also it was like when I was trying to um 
just double check the kind of that I had the recipe right. I googled magnolia vanilla pudding. I mean banana pudding, and it that was a hit that came up from somebody's blog. Interesting. Hmm. Again, I didn't actually read the whole blog. I didn't go do a deep fact checking mission. Because I will say, like magnolia cupcakes, meh. But like I have heard good things about the banana pudding. It's super good. I, I think again though, it's just the sort of thing that people don't serve or make often. But like. I don't know why not. It's so good. Pudding is really good. Well, I always have really loved vanilla pudding, and it has always been really hard to get your hands on. Like, just people don't serve it a lot. When they the don't. I lived, at least. And not to, like, keep going on about banana pudding for, like, an hour. I know. But, like, <laughs> honestly, it's really funny, because I made this, like, version of it for my blog, and, like, I was trying to help, like, give some of it away, and, like, mm-hmm. doing a survey of my friends, like... Only one of them was, like, excited about the prospect of banana pudding. Like, so my roommate doesn't eat bananas, which I always forget. And then Mm -hmm. I'll, like, be like, oh, I made banana bread. She's like, I don't like bananas. I'm like, more for me. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, my other friend, she was like, oh, I don't really love banana pudding. And I was like, what's wrong with you? So weird, yeah. So apparently banana pudding is, like, kind of divisive. I was really surprised. I feel like... All right, whatever. I have some follow-up questions to all of these individuals, other than the not just straight out not liking bananas, which I think is, that's the only answer that made sense to me so far. <laughs> I mean, I, I also think that's strange, but bananas are at least a, a very distinct flavor that I can understand. You Maybe you just don't, it doesn't work for you. Yeah. Uh, again, not to keep this conversation about pudding going, but they did, uh, I don't this know if they still serve podcast. it. our pudding podcast. Our pudding podcast. I don't know if they still serve it there, but Flower Bakery did used to serve butterscotch pudding. They had oh. chocolate pudding also, which was completely nothing compa- compared to the butterscotch pudding. It was, I only had it once and it is like one of the most vivid memories I have of like, God, it was so good. And then it's, I guess it just wasn't around as much so that I, I just didn't get my hands on it a lot, but I always wanted it. And that recipe is in the, ba- in the the cookbook and I I think that one I would try to make. So I will say one more thing because I think it's important in this time to promote small businesses. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I go to Boston for work a lot. I very rarely get the chance to be mm-hmm. like near and Flower now has like five or six locations like it's crazy. At least. Yeah. They have so many and I all, and I like never find myself near one like either able to go or when they're open or like at an appropriate eating time. Mm -hmm. This last trip to Boston in February, I got to go twice Mm. and I went and had lunch there one day. And then I went like my last day, I like stopped in and got like a pre-lunch, like Queen Amon as you do. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And I will say like the first time I went, I had like, I had a sandwich and I had um, some tea and then I had a slice of their lemon meringue pie Sometimes I think it's so easy to forget, especially because now, like, when I go to the city, like, I see them everywhere, and there's just this assumption of, like, quantity trumps quality. Mm -hmm. It's still so good. Like, I was, like, eating this pie, and, like, I had just come off my trip to Florida where I literally had key lime pie every day, if not Uh multiple times a day. I was, like, over pie, and I, like, walked in, and I was, like, I would, like, a slice of your lemon meringue pie, (laughs) and it was so, so, so good, and I was just, like, oh, yeah, I forgot, like, this place is built on, like, a really amazing foundation of, like, just quality food. And I, well, we were in Boston for like 24 hours and ate there three times, <laughs> partially because we were there for this like strange block of time with strange restrictions. And it actually wasn't like, there wasn't a good time for us to like make dinner reservations and go out because we were on such a tight timeline. And there was a flower that was like 10 minute walk from the hotel we were staying at. So like, 
partially though I also just use that as an excuse like we went there once and I was like this is actually as good as I remember maybe we just only <laughs> eat here I have no regrets that chicken sandwich they still have on the menu since we were there 10 12 years ago as college students and it is just as good as I remembered it was so flipping good I had this like Thai tuna sandwich. It was really, really good. Mm. Yeah. So shout out to Flower. Anyway, so um, let's go to Flower sometime. Yeah. And you know, I, I actually bought um, I bought a cookbook and I bought a sweatshirt from mm. them because they're donating like a hundred percent of their proceeds right now to their employee fund. Employees. That's great. I thought it was great, and I I have to tell you, I wore the sweatshirt for like five days in a row. It's so comfortable. <laughs> and um, I got a cookbook from like their restaurant, like the Chinese restaurant. Mm. Um, and I want to make like everything in it. I'm so excited, and it's signed by um, Joanne Chain. So I was like, I still that first cookbook. I I have the two bakery ones, Flower and Flower Two. Two, I do not think is as good, but I'm mostly, it's more like food food based mm-hmm. instead of bakery stuff. Um, the first one though, I, I, I love that cookbook. It's one of the best cookbooks I've ever bought. Claire just bought the pastry love one and she said it's mm. really, really good. Yeah. So, um, okay. That's okay, a commercial that <laughs> for not sponsored. Um, although yeah, flour bakery, you could sponsor us. That's fine. Um, seriously. For... We'll turn this into a pudding podcast. Pudding. No problem. <laughs> Maybe that's our follow-up once we're done yeah. with angels. We'll just talk about pudding. Okay, well, right. let's, let's talk about Halloween. Thank you for staying with us Halloween. for 20 minutes. Yes. Um, all right, let's talk about life of the party. Um, I told you at the top of this that I actually liked both of these episodes. I thought this one was very entertaining. And I also really just appreciate a solid episode about Lauren because yeah. there never are any. All right, so life of the party, we are following Lauren around Wolfram and Hart as he's trying to get everyone on board for this huge Halloween bash that he's preparing because unsurprisingly, or maybe surprisingly actually, Wolfram and Hart, the Halloween party is like the big holiday event of the year. Like they don't really go in for Christmas. Um, Halloween is where it's at. As we are hearing rumors of like, there's usually some kind of ritual sacrifice. Like everybody gets really into it. It's their night off to let loose. And Lauren is in charge, but he's having trouble because, you know, Angel's the new guy in charge. He's been cleaning house, so to speak, and mm-hmm. everyone's a little worried of, like, is this a trap? If I go to this party, is he just going to try to murder us? So Lauren takes Angel, and they go to this archbishop demon. I think that was his title? Bishop? That that sound right. Uh, it was not bishop, but it was something like that. Archdemon, maybe? Archduke. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they go to this high-powered demon because they figure if they can get him to go to the party, then other people will follow. And, you know, it kind of seems to work. Like, the party's not full, but there's a ton of people there. The Archduke arrives. Everybody, you know, pays homage. It all seems to be going pretty well. But Lauren, as we see, is, like, really struggling. Like, he's, he's stressed out. Nobody's really on board for the party. Like, he has to convince Fred, Wesley, Angel, Gunn to even show up. And... We also see him having a moment in his room where, or in his office, where um, his reflection seems to be talking to him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, red flags everywhere, like something's going on with Lauren. But the party proceeds and weird stuff seems to be happening. Like, you know, um, someone's peeing in the corners and <laughs> um, Fred and Wesley get really drunk, but they don't really drink a lot. And Angel and Eve start having sex. And everybody realizes, oh, Lauren is telling people to do things and whatever he's telling them to do, they're doing. So he told Wesley and Fred to get drunk. 
they literally got drunk, they didn't even have to drink. And then he told Gunn earlier in the day to, you know, stake out his territory, so (laughs) Gunn starts peeing on everything. (laughs) And he tells Angel and Eve to get a room, and so they go to Angel's office and start having sex. Uh, You're leaving one important person out. Who am I leaving out? Spike. Oh, Spike. He also tells Spike to, like, think positively. Positive. And Spike is, like, having a time of his life at this party. He also tells Knox to, like, work on the um, some kind of weapon that they built with Wesley. And so Knox skips the party to work on this. Um, and then we also see other things happening, like demons are getting murdered. And everything seems to be, like, going off the rails. So... One of the henchmen of this archduke get murdered, gets murdered, and so he like basically stops the party, threatening to kill everybody unless they can like tell him what's going on. At which point, Lorne's manifestation of his alter ego, or his in- subconscious, yeah, subconscious, yeah, like appears, and it's this giant, like comical, honestly looking, like puffed up mm-hmm. Lorne, who like comes and like you know, starts attacking everybody. He's the one who killed this henchman. He's the one who killed another demon. And they have to kill him. But the way they do that is Fred has to find Lauren's sleep, which he mm-hmm. had removed from uh, by Wolfram and Hart so as to better perform his job. Um, and this is the problem, is like an empath without sleep. Instead of reading people's destinies, he seems to be um, determining their destinies. So that's why they're doing what he tells them. So Fred is able to re-administer Lauren's sleep to him. She, like, shoots it into him. Mm-hmm. And he falls asleep, and the um, alter ego thing, like, bursts into confetti. <laughs> so <laughs> all's well, but obviously, like, Lauren has been super stressed out, so he needs to catch up on his rest. And there is some fallout. Like, Fred and Wesley, you know are like having a fun drunken giggly time together fred tells wesley you know i i always thought we would be better friends and wesley you know is like yeah i would love that and then fred asks him so what do you think of knox so Mm -hmm. we're back where we started with those two Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean it was entertaining i do think this was a really fun episode um i think my only real problem with it is that as much as i also obviously we are both like we both love Lauren. We both think he always gets the short end of the stick in terms of everything. Um, I just wish they had done a little more reflecting about that, you know, like, cause I saw it. I just think they made this episode lighter than they could have. And I think it would have behooved the episode to do, to dig a little bit deeper into like, why does everybody not notice that how hard Lauren is working? And like, why does no one want to go to this party when that is clearly so important to him? You know, that he's so desperate to impress them all that he did this extreme move. And at the end of it, they are not like, we should really spend more time with Lauren. I think that's like my only thing that I was disappointed in. I I don't know. I just think they could have dug a little bit deeper with this, with the consequences or even the consequences for Lauren personally. It didn't seem like they spent any time mulling that over either. I totally agree. And I actually made notes, you know, about this very thing where it's like Lauren has a history that they seem to be ignoring where, you know, he's the one who has to bring up that, hey, I used to run a club where demons came in all the time and nothing bad happened. Like, I know how to get these people all in a room together. And, you know, this is a skill that they should really be utilizing that they don't. And it kind of makes you start to wonder what is Lauren even doing there? Because, you know, he tells Angel... I'm on the team. I just want to help. But yeah. it's such a weird thing to like to hear him say that and then remember that Lauren, 
used to be the guy that existed as an authority that Angel would go to for help. Like Angel right, would say, right. I don't know what's going on with this. And Lauren would kind of be like, oh, you know, just have a drink, sing a song and let me help you out. And like somewhere along the way, he went from, you know, being a trusted advisor and person that they went to in like really desperate circumstances mm-hmm. to babysitter and kind of forgotten, you know, six man on this team who yeah. doesn't really get the respect that he should deserve. Yeah, I agree. And it's weird as an evolution, like, how that kind of happened. I Yeah. To, even to the point that, like, last week we were also remarking on, like, without any effort or um, follow-up whatsoever, they just also established how easy it is to beat his readings. So, like, even kind of this one indisputable skill that he has is, like, also now totally defanged. Yeah. So they have made some weird choices with him. That said, I and mean, he's kind of used as a punchline, right? Like, yeah, he's exactly. On the phone with these like hotshot directors, and he's always like, you know, portrayed as like the his favorite thing about his job is like getting to like rub elbows with celebrities, and you know, it seems kind of false. Like, I'm sure he loves all of that, but like mm-hmm. we've seen a more serious side to Lauren, right? And I think the part too that like it would be maybe nice to be reminded of is like how dark Lauren's history was right where it was like he was like yes it's shallow that he loves the celebrity and the glitz and glamour so much but the flip side is that like he gets to be himself and live in a place where he is you know quote-unquote appreciated and like I, I don't know there's just a lot that they could play up and I wish that they did that um but I mean at the same time that said like any episode spent with Lauren is a good episode <laughs> I mean, it's more than he usually gets, so yeah. at least he, I guess we could be grateful he's not acting as anyone's babysitter. Yeah, I agree. Also, could we get more scenes of him and Harmony together? Because, like, that's Oh, cool. my God. <laughs> I understand not wanting to overplay that hand, but I think they could go a little bit harder with that in future episodes, and I would be super happy with it. <laughs> she called them Lorny Tunes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um... So this is not about Lauren. I think I sort of answered my own question with this, but is it just that I just want to talk about Harmony's wardrobe. She works at a law firm. She's in this episode wearing pink sequin halter. I just think, is it a demonic law firm where the dress code doesn't matter? Or is this just Harmony and Angel's too, like, you know, dumb angel to notice? I don't know. I think it's the She's wearing like a pink halter dress. Like maybe she was dressed up for the party. I think that is the answer in this episode, but she's frequently wearing things like that. I don't think they're inappropriate things to wear. I think they are inappropriate things to wear to a law firm. I'm just going to say that from this era, I always thought the WB had a very interesting take on what was appropriate to wear in certain <laughs> places. I know that it's like a bus at the point. I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> if you want to see some questionable office attire, uh, I can refer you to the TV show Charmed. Okay. Do they work in a law firm though? No, but one of them works in like an auction house at some point and another one works at like a newspaper. Oh, and then one of them is like a social worker and every single one of them is wearing <laughs> okay. inappropriate clothes for those environments. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, yes. <clears throat> How do you feel about the Archduke? 
Um, I love his little minion who, <laughs> like, uncorks his wrist so that Ugh. his boss can drink from him. I love that the Archduke was, like, scratching him behind the ears like he's a he's a pet. Aww. And I love that he was, like, smelling the flowers and he was like, pee-pee. <laughs> and then that I was... love that he took his opportunity and escaped. To just, like, run. <laughs> I didn't like his pee-pee joke, but I did like him otherwise. I mean, I don't like him. It was very sad, but I'm glad he escaped. He made his run. Yeah, I, I, that scene though where he just like uncorks his wrist is like just pure, like, you know, weed inverse humor. Like, yeah, I just, I was like dying. Like, also, Lauren trying to give him some sort of compliment about it and really struggling. <laughs> with, like, what is the thing to say right now? <laughs> that said, I couldn't, was his henchman's name Our Toad? Our Toad, Our Code. I yeah, thought it was something. like like our toad, like our toady. Like, no, 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 no. But I only say that because I was watching it with the subtitles on. A R T O D E. Now okay. I'm thinking our toad. I mean, maybe they wanted it to sound that way, but I do. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't want to think about it too hard. But I also do sort of like these little suggestions of like how deep the demon world is in L A. That there's like ranks of kind of court. You know, like court level ranks, people are very wealthy and respected, have whole layers. Like, where the heck is this? And I don't ask that in a like, I don't actually want to know the answers to those questions. I'm happy to just kind of introduce these things and move along. But I do, it, it did really tickle me that it's like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> like, what is going on in LA? <laughs> and that we've never met him before. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like really interesting. This, like, society, you know, like, they need, like, a page six for, like, what the Archduke is doing is just kind of hilarious. Yeah, and I think what's also really interesting is, like, through the lens of Wolfram and Hart and, like, Angel being there now, we can see just how on the fringes his team was working before. Yeah, um, yeah. That they, they weren't were aware of, anything. like, any of this. And, and in fact, that Lorne is aware of more of it than he's had to tell them in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's fascinating, and I think it's you know, I'm willing to buy that for the sake of, like, it really opens up a lot of great characters and stories to continue with. Yeah. And also, it does make a type of sense, right? I mean, their initial goal, you know, quote-unquote, we help the helpless, it was very, like, focused on just, here's a person who came to us with a problem, and it, it makes sense to me that not every one of those problems would have resulted in, like, you know, exposing the inner workings of all demon society. Like, they were kind of these really narrow problems. Totally, yeah. Um, Like, they're they're just these little one-offs. And they're mostly only dealing with the one-offs where humans are involved. But as we're seeing, like, humans are very tangential to this story. Right, yeah. Yes, they're only really important in the the one person's Halloween costume. Oh, my God. That was actually my favorite joke of this whole thing. I (laughs) loved it. His stupid, like, argyle sweater vest, his, like, khaki pants. (laughs) My kid is on the honor roll. Yeah. (laughs) My other car is a Mercedes. Like, I think that was actually by far the most clever joke in this whole episode. Hilarious. Plus his, like, yeah. mask was fine. Like, all the right ways. Because it also, like, didn't fit. Yeah. And, like, it was, like, clearly a homemade costume. Uh, yeah. Um, I also... I I can't... I don't think that I have the knowledge to say whether or not this was good acting. I'm, I assume more knowledgeable people would say, like, it was still pretty hacky. But I really enjoyed Drunk Wesley and Fred 
regardless. Like, I thought they were both, like, very charming about it. I thought it was very kind of just lovable and, like, easy to kind of fall in. Like, they didn't do anything that was, like, too out of line in any direction. They were just totally giggly. I thought it was super cute. I agree. Also, we got another Hodgins sighting. I know, Hodgins is in this one, too. But this made me wonder, like, I can't remember if he shows up again. So, like, was his casting on Bones, like, a coincidence? Or do you think that it was, like, stemmed from this? It seems too small of a role to be, to have had an effect, but maybe. Yeah. I do like Hodgins, as Hodgins in Bones, not, I mean, he's fine in this episode, too, but. I do, I am also a little bit, though, you know, wearing on the Fred and, well, rather, Wesley's crush on Fred. I understand why that's the kind of thread that they're stringing along, but I'm ready for that to be over. I don't think it's going to be over, but, like... like, Okay, here's here's a question for you. This is, like, new and improved Wesley. Do we believe that he would just be, like, silently suffering? Exactly, Like, like... I feel like new Wesley would just be like, Fred, I have feelings for you. Let's yeah. address that. And then see what happens. Like, he wouldn't just be, like, pining exactly. silently think, for her while, like, yet another man comes and, like, distracts exactly. her. I agree. Or he should be old enough by this point, frankly, to be like, you know what? She's not into me. She's got another interest. It's over her. Yeah, we need, an, we need Dad Lila to, like, come back and, like, yeah. set him straight. Um, I think I also, you know, in a normal circumstance, the little... Choices that they make for Gunn are often irritating. I actually also found this one hilarious. Because <laughs> he just can't, he just, like, can't figure it out. And he, like, can't stop peeing in corners. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. But I really think, he's just, like, he is this, like, really smart, really slick guy. And he just cannot stop peeing on plants around the office. <laughs> or Angel's chair. Angel's chair. Angel was the only one that I didn't enjoy, frankly. I thought that one was funny, though, like, or, oh, you mean, like, what happened yes, to Angel? Yes, sorry. I, Angel I was going to say, Eve. I actually thought it was really funny mm-hmm. that Gunn peed on that Angel's chair hilarious. because it's, like, <laughs> a fun joke about, like, if he's staking exactly. out his territory, yeah. like, one of those places was Angel's yeah. desk. No, I, that I super like. like. No, no, no. I meant Angel and Eve was the only one that I got no joy out of. Oh, yeah. That was, that was just It's boring. also just because it's, like. I feel like Eve is fetched. You know, it's like, stop trying to make Eve happen. It's just not going to work. And then that they, like, really double down on it is just, like, she's just so irritating. And Angel's reaction to her. Also, like, they're trying to, like, make her, you know, more interesting, which she isn't. But, like, because she's like, oh, you you think this is my first, like, mystical-induced, like, sex thing or whatever. And then she's, like, obviously not pleased when she, like, turns away. But, like, who cares? It's, and, I'm just like already And I think because the one, the one justification that I was able to make, like for a split second, I was like, actually, maybe this is good for, a- like, is this character growth for Angel to like be able to like have sex with somebody and it's not like his entire world <laughs> was like, I was proud of him for like a split second. And I was like, oh, just kidding. It's not even his own free will, you know? So it's like, it's yeah. kind of a dodgy storyline to begin with. And then it couldn't just be like, Angel finally realized he can like have casual sex. It's like, nope, he didn't realize that either. <laughs> nope. Anyway. Oh, and Spike. Spike running around enjoying literally everything. I actually also think that was just like the icing on the cake. That was like so funny. <laughs> Spike is never positive about anything. It was great. What a great joke. <laughs> it's the best song he's ever heard by the best band. <laughs> like, it's just so silly. 
And it's like house music yeah, it was too. Like just the most banal background elevator music. <laughs> like, but, you know, elevator music <laughs> in the sense that like the worst, most boring thing you could put on at a party. Anyway. I do wish Harmony had gotten a little bit more of a storyline. I guess there's nothing you can make her do that she wouldn't just do on her own. Yeah, I I actually was thinking about that because I was like, oh, they could have had her do something funny, but I was like, She's I just, just like so Harmony funny. is such an yeah. open book that I don't I don't know if like it would ring ring it wouldn't yeah. ring false for her. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. I I don't again like for the deeper implications of this episode. I think there pretty much are none. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't actually like a revelation that Lauren has this dark side. It was just genuinely he's not having dreams, and this is how it comes out. Um, I think they raise, I can't decide if I like this or not, but I do, you know, I just want to note the, like, how much Angel has to come to terms with by have taking this role. I do think that, like, at the end of last season, it did seem not cut and dry by any means, but, like, we'll have the opportunity and the resources to do so much good. And now, you know, little by little, we just really have to see all the other things that he has to live with as a result of making this deal. I don't know. I, I want more out of that. I don't think we're there yet, but I'm intrigued. Also, I think it's it's an interesting wrinkle that Angel, you know, is really regretting doing this and isn't enjoying it and is yeah. kind of implying <clears throat> that he always knew it was a bad idea. Nobody's really asking him, well, then why did you take the deal? When, like, we right. know that the only reason he took the deal was for right. Connor. Right. So, I don't know. But I'm ready for him to, like, find some sort of groove in it. I think that is, like, it's high time. Which is actually sort of the plot of the next episode. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, well, you might get your wish. Um, It's a great segue, although I do briefly want to go back and mention that one interesting thing for me in this episode is that it turns out that not even Lorne was immune to the skinny scarf trend of the, <laughs> the I think Lorne is the most susceptible to fashion trends. <laughs> but it's so funny because he's wearing his like typical suit, which to me feels like very like 50s. Yeah, kind of, he you does know, have like a Rat Pack like, vibe always. And then he's got this like skinny scarf to the floor. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we can we can officially segue now. Okay. Sorry, I just wanted to get that in. So there. segueing into the cautionary tale of Numero Cinco, you know, for several episodes now we've seen this, uh, the mailroom clerk for Rolferman Hart walks around with a luchador mask on, seemingly inexplicably, but it turns out we get a whole episode about him. Um, and yeah, so somebody is going around L.A. Uh, ripping the hearts out of innocent victims and uh angel you know and wesley find out about it and decide to try and figure out what's going on as they're just kind of doing some you know dotting i's and crossing t's in angel's office angel goes to give this final piece of mail to said mailman um and that guy who hasn't said anything ever kind of mysteriously throws angel through a window (laughs) uh so you know maybe something deeper is going on there um so Angel and Wesley and everybody try, try to dig in to figure out who's been going around ripping hearts out and eventually kind of stumble upon this old Aztec demon guy who's probably doing it. And they, real, they find out that he had some victims, four brothers, and one of them survived. And of course, that surviving brother is Numero Cinco, the luchador who's been walking around their office this whole time. So Angel kind of tries to rope him in, figure out what he knows about this demon and how they can kill him. Um, 
and we get this incredible backstory to the Luchador mailroom guy. And he and his brothers had this very successful uh, Luchador business. Uh, they fought together as the Hermanos Numeros. And they had a great following. Everybody loved them. And not only did they do just like their, you know, wrestling ring shtick, but they also legit fought crime lords and protected their community in East L.A. Uh, But when this demon showed up, he uh, bested four of the brothers. And Numero Cinco has been kind of living on his own ever since then. And he's, you know, the brothers have sort of become a joke in the wrestling world. And kind of among everybody, he's really bitter that... um, people don't remember them for all the actual heroics that they did. And he's also pretty bitter that, you know, this demon, it turns out eats the hearts of heroes and he didn't want his. So that's kind of why he's left there. Yeah. But you know, by the end he's trying, he has um, an amulet of course (laughs) that this Aztec demon needs in order to take over the world Uh, angel. And he, uh, you know, cross paths again, angel uh, and the and numero cinco get in a tussle with this guy, and as things are turning bad for them, his four brothers come out of the grave because they're in the cemetery uh, and help pin down this demon once and for all. And Angel stabs him in the heart and kills him. Um, but of course, numero cinco also uh, sustained a deadly injury during the fight, and he dies with his brothers at the very end. It was very sad. Um, skipping over a few other things um, like some sort of, you know, questionably mixing in the Day of the Dead traditions with this, as you sort of pointed out earlier. Not sure all these things really totally line up with that, but it is Day of the Dead, which does make sense because the last episode was the Halloween episode. Um, Anyway, meanwhile, Spike sort of starts for the first time having his own curiosity about the Shanshu prophecy because Fred pretty rightly points out that, like, you fit this description just as well as Angel does. But he also reveals to everybody that Angel himself is the one that's or reveals to Wesley, at least, that Angel himself seems to not believe in the prophecy at all. And that's kind of, they kind of are all starting to notice how much Angel's heart isn't in anything. He's lost all hope. He's kind of lost his way. He doesn't, he's not fighting to become the champion for this big prize, but he also isn't getting any joy out of what they're doing. So he and Numero Cinco have quite a bit in common. Yeah. um, I think this is a better episode than the last one. Um, I think it's great. I, you know, it's funny because I remembered this episode but I did it I couldn't remember if I liked mm-hmm. it so I really came in like a little bit fresh eyes because I all I really remembered was that it involved the mailman mm-hmm. and like Mexican wrestling yeah, it was pretty yeah <laughs> really didn't remember much else and yeah I found it really enjoyable I thought he was a nice counterpart totally. to Angel, um for everyone to kind of come to terms with this idea that Angel has given up a little bit um that he's kind of just going through the motions and like he encounters this guy who like is just going like he's going through the motions to the point where like yeah he's gone from being a strong man to like the man yeah totally you know and hearing his story and like you know they did all these great deeds and like nobody even remembers them um except wesley (laughs) of course (laughs) you know about the uh the 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 demon the devil's robot um (laughs) But it's, it's an interesting idea, and I think the way they approach it is, like, definitely from left field, and I actually really appreciate that. I You know, I was telling you at the beginning, I know very little about Day of the Dead. I know very even less about, like, Mexican wrestling. Um, I don't even know if that's what you're supposed to call it. I think, is it luchadore, or? Um, I think we can call them luchadors, but yeah. Luchadors, okay. Um, 
But I, you know, it was all very, like, um, not silly, but, like, it was very, like, creative. Yeah, I think. no. Like, I think, you know, you're dealing with all of this, and yet there's, like, five men running around with, like, these masks on. Well, I think what, for me, really is what worked about this episode. You know, they often have, you know, a character of the week. Like, last week we had that werewolf girl or whatever. I think it's hard when you're doing episodes of the week to give this side character a really convincing backstory. And I think for a lot of reasons, this one really worked. And I think a lot of it is sort of what you're getting at is that like by tying it in with this luchador story, I, I do think that like all wrestling, you know, this style of wrestling has a certain level of cheese to it, right? Like there is this like really, it's, it's very exaggerated. It's not maybe entirely comical, but it's not, not funny. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, this whole thing came off very pulpy, which tied in with kind of this Whedon aesthetic. I'm getting a little bit off track. I just mean to say I think they had some tropes and used them pretty well. It, like, kind of framing the story in this pulpy way gave them an excuse to just outright give us this guy's backstory, like, without it feeling like it was forced. I don't know. So, like, everything kind of lined up for me in this episode where it was, like, all of the, the like, joke level of it really gelled together and then because they were able to kind of just get his story out like he literally just gives us a flashback like I really understood who he was and then because it tied in so well with Angel like I actually just think this was a really great tight episode you know like it just made sense yeah together. and maybe the first time flashbacks worked successfully on the right, show exactly um, yes but you know what's interesting is something I wasn't really thinking of that I just kind of realized is even the concept of like the fact that this guy and his brothers are these wrestlers where it's a lot like um, like WrestleMania, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's it's all, like, this show fighting. Yeah. So, like, it, there's also this idea of, like, you know, people struggling with, like, oh, I, must, I might not really be a hero that I think I am, but, like, it's these guys who are also, like, putting on a fight for show and, like, fighting, quote, the bad guys for show. And, and like, so there's, like, this falseness to, like, those heroics too right and then it's like then they're having to kind of face that in like with this real demon well but they like, oh I, the demon doesn't think i'm a hero they do establish though that they were like actually fighting crime lords no oh. no no that part yes but i mean like the part the fighting in the mm-hmm. ring is like this very like um false battle mm-hmm. right like it's all like I the hate. hits aren't really very real yeah. and like you know it's all it's all like put on for show and like you know, everything's like predetermined in a way. So maybe that like, makes a lot of sense. The audience might be wedding. getting the entertainment yeah. and like being like, oh, these guys are unbeatable and like they're, you know, they're heroes in the ring, but like that's that's all it false. It gives it right? a very meta level with the angel story. Yeah, line. exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought in the wrong, with just a slight, you know, shift to the left, this would have been unwatchable. And instead, I just think it was completely <laughs> great. Like, I was totally in there for his storyline. I got very sad when he died at the end, you know? It's like, I we don't even also, know this guy. Also, I, um, I didn't look up who played the um, numero cinco, but oh, yeah. he did a great job even having a mask on the it's whole time. It's true, yeah. This is very, uh, what's the, Mandalorian, you know? It's like, how do you be successful at acting when you can't see your face at all. He at least has the advantage of you can see his mm-hmm. eyes. It's true. Um, yeah, but no, it was, it was, I agree it could have been a mess, but it, it wasn't. And I think the only, honestly, the only false note for me is the demon. Yeah, he's kind um, of. He, he's not really as much of a threat as 
they kind of make him out to be, or at least he's, like, barely in the episode. Yeah. And he exists more to, like, cause Angel some angst, right. right? And it's also not even clear if, like, by killing him, did they kill him for real, or will he come back in 50 years? Um, it's a good question, because they did say that they the other four brothers had killed him before, but maybe they didn't stab him in the heart. I'm not sure. Yeah, and I, I also wasn't sure if, like, there's a a weirdness to like oh we're talking about these like mexican wrestlers and they're fighting an aztec demon yeah and, like, that part I, I just decided I not was to like, i don't on. really want to think too hard <laughs> yeah, about that, that I was yeah like, no. i agree with you on that part though um that's the only part that i think i felt like if they had even left the demon out of the episode completely i think i would have been okay well with it. i do think that I, I i think you're right it probably would have been better if he were not aztec because then now it's like they really are trying to throw on every single thing that they know about mexican americans and like yeah that's kind of where i right? was like, like aztecs uh, day of the dead and luchadors <laughs> are all the same thing yeah i think you're right to point that out um but I, I think it was important to the story that they had a demon who was chasing hero hearts, right? Because both, I didn't yes. say this in my summary, but the demon also does not want angels. And I think they make it pretty clear that at the end, it's not because Angel isn't a hero. It's because he's not using his heart at all. You know, metaphorically, sure. But like, he's just so kind of empty right now that there was nothing there for the demon, even if he is a hero. Even if he isn't dead. Even if he isn't dead. Yeah. So I do think yeah. that that part and kind of this, like I said, like the kind of, you know, the real story here is about Angel and Numero Cinco both kind of having given up on what their their mission was, which was to help the helpless and kind of both realizing that they can still do something. So I, I, I think that the demon metaphor was still important in that way, but otherwise I 100% agree with you. And he was certainly the least interesting thing in this episode. Yeah, but yeah. Boy, oh boy, was I just a sucker for this Numero Cinco, though. <laughs> I like, really, really liked him. <laughs> Um, I also really liked Spike just being a jerk kind of in the background of this, you know, because there was this storyline in season four of Buffy when Spike is first neutered with the chip and he can't do anything. But then he realizes that the thing he can do is like so discord among the group. And now that he's like kind of good, he's like not doing it to the same level, but he's still like, I can't literally pretty much do anything. But what I can do is lie about Angel punching the mailroom guy. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was really funny that like every person that comes in the room, he's like, Angel just threw that guy out the window. It's like, oh my God, that was <laughs> such a blatant lie. But why, you know, why not? <laughs> Spike's getting his amusement where he, he can. Is. And like, that's what I actually think I love about Spike. And I think that this is my source of frustration sometimes, right? Is like Spike got a soul and remained fundamentally Spike. Yes, like for just sure. with a soul. Angel gets a soul, and he's a completely different person than Angelus. Mm -hmm. And, like, Spike is not... There's not this dichotomy with Spike where he, like, William the Bloody and Spike are, like, two different people. No, it's more so that he's lived for 200 years and evolved over the course of them. Right. Whereas, like, Angel is, like... Angel or Angelus. Mm -hmm. He can't be both. And, like, that to me is, like, where Spike's soul in souling, if you will, is, like frustrating because it just calls out all the ways they've like really muddled like angels situation um that said uh, i think at the end when he's reading the prophecy is really interesting because you know he kind of tells wesley like oh yeah you know the prophecies don't mean anything because you know like the father will kill the son blah 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 and wesley's like what are you talking about and at first i was like oh maybe wesley's like what do you mean like just because that prophecy didn't right, come true, I thought, the yeah. other one won't. But then I remembered, oh, Wesley doesn't know right, about that I, prophecy yeah. because Connor's been erased. Totally, totally, yeah. 
Um, I also, I think I am enjoying Spike and Fred's relationship so far. You know, I think they did sort of call it out, call out. Fred was like, I'm not falling in love with him. Okay. Like just to kind of put us at ease. And I think that that is clear, but I, I appreciate her also just kind of pointing out to him, like, you literally saved my life. And he was like, I guess you could call it that. And I was like, that's actually what you did. Spike, you did this. So I don't know. I, I, I think there's something charming about her kind of calling out his good side. I'm not sure what I'm getting at. No, I think so. Like Fred is like seeing the full picture and like reminding him like, yeah, there, there are consequences to your actions, including the good actions. Mm -hmm. Like you will be recognized for doing the good as well as the bad. Mm -hmm. I also just want to um, call out that Spike twice in this episode called Angel a drama queen, which I think you and I have been saying for four seasons. So I'm like, please, thank you. Somebody finally <laughs> said it. <laughs> Angel's so flippin' dramatic all the time. <laughs> oh. Okay, but yes, Jenny did reassure me that zombies are not usually part of the Day of the Dead lore and celebrations. I mean, I don't think I should be taken as an authority, but that's certainly not my understanding. You're more of an authority the than I am. The point is not to call <laughs> zombies from the graveyard. Yeah, that yeah. was a little... You were, you were right, like, got to that point, and I totally forgot about the Day of the Dead storyline totally. So I just was like, yeah, this is just the... You know, his brothers came back because he was being heroic. I totally forgot about that other angle of it. So well, I was do like, oh, I'm waiting get, for my brothers, and I was like, okay. They did get pretty <laughs> sloppy with the mythologies. Or yeah. That's not the... I, I didn't even look up if that's a real Aztec myth. That guy, that name, I don't know. Yeah. That I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it really matters for this it, episode. I don't think he was. Yeah. It could have been, like, insult generic demon, like, insert generic demon mm -hmm. here. Like, you, yeah. Um, I really like, yeah. But, yes, I liked this. I'm sad that he's dead. I'm sad he's not going to be in the office anymore. Um, but I thought he got a very fitting send-off at least, you know, pour one out for him. Like, he did die a hero. And I... Yeah, and... Yeah. It was like, like you say, like a rare case on this show of like an interesting one-off character. Yeah, I almost never do them well, and I really liked him. And I, it, it actually made me care about Angel, too. <laughs> like, I was so invested in Numero Cinco's storyline that like by being so sympathetic to him, was I like, I guess I could extend this to Angel as well, <laughs> which is a weird <laughs> way to a place to be in a show that is about the titular character, where like the side characters are somehow helping me care about the main character, but whatever. Well, maybe that's the show recognizing that, like, they've gotten us to the point where, like, it's really hard to care about Angel. Yeah. And I think, I, in a way, I kind of think Spike is doing the same thing, right? Like, by bringing in another person who might relate to this prophecy and is struggling with some of the same emotions that Angel is, I think it's kind of giving us more windows into what Angel's thinking because he's just so, like, indecipherable most of the time. I, I think both of these have been good changes. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really think about that either. Well, that's what I have. Oh, just another side note, though. Gunn seems to really be enjoying his job, and I'm really happy for him. You know, we both had, I think, some kind of hesitations about them just shoving this new thing on Gunn as kind of a quick fix to, like, keep him relevant in the story. But at least now that they've done that, I think he's he, seem, he does seem a lot happier. <laughs> you know, I'm happy for him. Yeah, like, he's like, oh, I, I, you know, I've never really looked forward to coming to work every day. Yeah. And I'm like, even when you were working at Angel Investigations? Yeah. 
<laughs> but they weren't ever really happy there, so I think... No, it's true. I mean, like, no, do you wake up in the morning looking forward to going and fighting demons? Probably and not. And it's, like, sort of a throwaway line, but he's, like, one of the things that Angel did in the morning signing his paperwork was set up an orf- or a foster system for people, for kids that whose parents were killed by vampires. That's, like, literally Gunn's entire motivation for three seasons. So, like, and in a swift, you know, sign of a pen, he gets to, like, not fix it all, but it just felt like that was so significant for him personally. They kind of glossed over it, but, like... I can understand why that brings him a lot of satisfaction, you know? Yeah. Also, who is Herbie Hancock? Uh, that was just a joke about John Hancock. Okay. The wiki says it's a joke about uh, a Chris Farley movie whose name escapes me. I don't know. Oh, okay. Because I was like, oh, haha, and then I was like, wait, what? I, uh, yeah, I th- it's just a joke. I don't know if it was actually a reference to Tommy Boy or he's just making another joke, but... Okay. <laughs> His name is not Herbie Hancock. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, <laughs> did Herbie Hancock, like, sign in blood? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want to be more excited, but I'm like, are we going to continue this streak of enjoying it? I don't know, but, like, Maybe. these were great. I don't know. It does seem like they have at least a lot of good pieces right now, which I know is a thing that we've said before, but I'm going to be positive because life is too dreary right now not to be. <laughs> it's true. Um, <clears throat> all right, so next time we'll be back with uh, Legacy. Uh, lineage. Uh, no, Lineage. Ugh, I was so close. <laughs> oh, my God. And then... Um, Destiny. Destiny. Okay. Don't know anything about either of them, as is my usual state. I think I know a little bit about the next one. Mm. Only because I, I read the Hulu description. <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it comes up automatically. Uh, like, when the, you get to the end, it's like, next episode, and there's like a little description. Look away. Like, Al- okay. Actually, Alex always does that, too, and I'm always like, get off the screen. Like, stop trying to spoil it for yourself. <laughs> All right, but I won't spoil it for you. Thanks. So, um, okay. Um, do you have any more pop culture for us? You know, no. I don't either. I think our contribution was pudding is good. Pudding, pudding is delicious. I mean, I've only been re-watching things, which I definitely think is a comment or, like, a reflection of, like, when things are bad, all I want to do is, like, feel warm and safe in my media. But, you know, I started watching Community, and then I got to the episode where um, Michael K. Williams makes an entrance, and he's the actor that plays Omar in The Wire, and now we're watching The Wire, because I was like, wait, I gotta just go back to that. But, like, it sure did feel like, it's like a, it is a very comfortable lived-in shoe for me. Like, I was like, wow, I got into it in, like, a split second. So, I'm really enjoying that, but, you know, it's not, that is not, like, a revelatory pop culture recommendation. No, I'm not sure also that I would consider The Wire, like, comfort food viewing. Yeah, I mean, it's very upsetting, but I don't know. I'm still enjoying it. I I mean, I guess if you know what's going to happen, it's, like, easier to kind of sink into it. For sure. Yeah, no one I need to. I just remember feeling, like, tense for, like, three months (laughs) because we were, like, watching The Wire, like, straight through, and, like, you had already seen it, but, like, you wouldn't say what was going on, and, like, oh, my God, like, ugh. I guess it also is just this, like, oh, you know, when you're like, is something as good as my memory of it is? And it's nice to feel like it is. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is exactly the way I remembered it. It's still great television. Also, community's still pretty good. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just enjoying, I'm just reliving, I'm like- reliving, like, 2009. <laughs> 
Maybe you should do this like weird like hopscotch, right? So like you watched a little bit of Community, it sent you to the wire, mm-hmm. and then you can watch the wire until you get to like season four, and then you can watch Suburgatory. Yes. And then <laughs> you could like see where it takes you. Yeah, yeah. I maybe this is the year to rewatch all of our favorite shows from 2012. Maybe I should watch Suburgatory. Maybe I should watch Trophy Wife and Enlisted. Am I at a place now where I can revisit those shows? <laughs> I think also, um, so the actress from Suburgatory is on a new show. Mm-hmm, I know. She looks exactly um, the same, hasn't it's it? It's a musical show. Yeah. I, it seems it's a little okay. iffy to me, but... It's fine. It's just like, I don't... It's like I'm watching it, like, from a distance where, like, I don't want to, like, let myself enjoy it and then have it taken away from me. <laughs> also, Jeremy Sisto's not in it, right? So, like... Hmm. Yeah, he's not, but, like... Um, Mary Steenburgen is, and um, Peter Gallagher's in it, oh. but he's, like, mostly silent, so okay. like, he's not, like, much of a presence. Um, that guy from uh, Pitch Perfect is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's entertaining so far, but there's only been, like, six episodes, okay. so. Um, like I said, I'm not letting myself get attached. I mean, the, the actress is still, like, good. Like, she was great in Suburgatory, yeah. so, like unsurprising yeah okay well um what team are you on uh team numero cinco (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm gonna be team lauren he deserves it that's a good answer too yeah Mm -hmm. um all right well we'll be back we will go through another week of staying safe washing our hands we'll be back next time with lineage and destiny Mm -hmm. was i close yeah no those are right (laughs) yes All right. I'll talk to you then. All right. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.